Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. I'm the host, David Intracasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss whether the FDA will ban or restrict the use of menthol flavoring in cigarettes. To discuss the topic is the Legacy Foundation's Ms. Diane Canova and Dr. Andrea Valanti. Welcome both. Thank, Thank you. you. So as always, uh, let me begin with some uh, background information. Uh, about smoking generally, according to the CDC, approximately 20% of Americans smoke. Smoking and exposure to smoke causes 443,000 deaths, or one in five deaths annually, principally from lung cancer and heart disease. It is the single most preventable cause of death. About our discussion today, in June 2009, the Congress passed and the President signed the Family Smoking Prevention and Tobacco Control Act. The law gave the FDA broad authority to regulate tobacco products. Among other things, it banned flavored cigarettes, largely because teenagers were or are three times more likely than adults to smoke these products. Beyond chocolate, strawberry, and clove, it also banned, for example, Twista Lime and warm winter toffee cigarettes. The law, however, exempted menthol flavoring. Instead, the law established an advisory committee to study menthol's use and submit recommendations to the HHS secretary. In March 2011, the committee submitted its report stating simply, removing menthol-flavored cigarettes would benefit public health. Two-plus years later, or two weeks ago uh, exactly, the FDA issued a report uh, it authored itself stating menthol or mint flavoring made it easier to start smoking. As a next step, the FDA asked for public comment about its report and any other data or research that may inform the FDA's regulatory action regarding menthol all under what's termed an advance notice of proposed rulemaking. Since Ms. Canova and Dr. Vellante's bios are posted on the website, I'll not uh, read them here. So with all that, uh, let's begin. My first question then is the obvious one. Why was menthol not included as a banned flavor in the 2009 law? And I'm going to leave aside why did they, why did the Congress not just ban nicotine outright? So let's start with the <laughs> exemption of menthol. Well, good. This is Diane Canova, and I'll take this one, I think. And at the outside, I have to say um, the American Legacy Foundation is prohibited from lobbying Congress directly, so uh, the organization was unable to engage actively with Congress during time uh, that it considered the Tobacco Control Act. However, I was with another organization, and along with other uh, colleagues, were active in engaging with Congress. And um, it, it really, from my perspective, was a political decision and, and what was politically feasible at the time. Um, members of Congress who were strongly supportive of the Tobacco Control Act reasoned that a bill could not pass if it included a menthol ban. Although um, I think uh, evidence of their support of a potential ban was the fact that there was language included in the act um, giving um, FDA the ability to ban menthol if it would so uh, choose to do so. Um, and I think as further evidence, um, the act also um, asked or required FDA to convene the Tobacco Products Scientific Advisory Committee, and it identifies its number one priority, or its first priority, was to study menthol. Um, that said, um, since the passage of the Act, Legacy has been very active in, in encouraging 
um, FDA to ban uh, menthol. We've shared our science, as you will hear, and, and since the time of the passage, we've really been a, a vocal advocate for uh, regulatory action banning menthol flavoring. Okay, um, let's park aside for the moment the politics. <laughs> if we have time, we'll get back to it. Let's go to the, the March 2011 so-called TIPSAC report. You identified the acronym, so I'll not repeat it. Mm -hmm. So the report actually, um, um, again, was produced um, two years ago. And when it was released, both sides actually debated mm -hmm. or claimed victory. Uh, the report concluded in part, quote-unquote, removal of menthol cigarettes from the marketplace would benefit public health in the U.S. However, despite uh, that concluding statement, the largest producer uh, or seller of mm -hmm. menthol-flavored cigarettes, Lorillard, um, when the report was released, its stock actually closed up 10%. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. all of which to say that both sides more or less claimed victory uh, uh, based on what the March uh, 2011 report found. So let me uh, ask mm -hmm. a, a, a Dr. Valenti, what, mm -hmm. what's your take on the mm -hmm. report? So I think the, the TIPSAC, or Tobacco Product Scientific Advisory Committee report, had two main conclusions. First, that menthol cigarettes have an adverse impact on public health in the U.S., and then secondly, that there are no public health benefits of menthol cigarettes in the U.S. Um, and so this was a part of a rigorous review of evidence. This was the synthesis of that uh, review. And they also had additional sections within their report addressing a number of different issues related to menthol, specifically concluding that it was more likely than not that the availability of menthol cigarettes increased experimentation and regular smoking, increased the likelihood of addiction and the degree of addiction in youth, resulted in lower likelihood of cessation, particularly in African-American smokers, and that menthol cigarette marketing also increased the prevalence of smoking beyond what would be anticipated if menthol cigarettes were not in the marketplace. So I think this could be considered a victory for both sides. One, because the conclusions that TIPSAC reached were very aligned with the public health community, but also that they did not come out with an outright recommendation to ban menthol, which we would have liked <laughs> to see. All right, so just, just to be clear, um, relative to the politics mm -hmm. of getting mm -hmm. back or to tie the two together, mm -hmm. A disproportionate uh, percent of African Americans smoke menthol-flavored mm -hmm. cigarettes. Yes. And the reason why menthol is used to flavor, or mint is used to flavor cigarettes, because it does make the tobacco taste less harsh. And that is why mm -hmm. teenagers are more likely mm -hmm. to smoke, because the, the taste effect, and the problem, of course, with that is then they become addicted. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, so to connect mm -hmm. uh, those dots. Mm -hmm. Uh, subsequent to the TIPSAC report, why did the FDA decide to perform its own separate subsequent research evidence and policy study? And that's the report that came out two, we two weeks ago. I think I'll start us off here. I, I think it's not, in clear, it's not entirely clear to Legacy why they did this. We believe that the, the initial uh, report that was mandated by Congress was sufficiently clear. It had reviewed um, the evidence of the time and, and uh, was very, you know, substantive. And um, as was highlighted by the head of the Center for Tobacco Products and, and Legacy and others fully concur that this report was, was a set of recommendations and, and the FDA was not required to follow um, the the uh, recommendations outlined in the report, we still thought there was a sufficient basis for FDA to act, that it would have had a lot of 
of evidence and, and cover by its own advisory committee should it uh, have d uh, decided to move forward. Um, I think from uh, maybe my perspective, too, is that the release of the, the initial TIPSAC report was followed by uh, an industry perspective report, too, that obviously, and, and not surprising to anybody, was critical of uh, the information and the, the um, analysis that was included in, in the TIPSAC report. Um, so then you have, following on the heels of that, FDA, you know, announcing that it would conduct its own independent review. You know, so from our view, you know, there's, uh, you know, there was not going to be any one report that would satisfy and persuade the, the tobacco industry and the other naysayers to support a menthol ban. And so that Legacy believed, and we continue to believe, there was sufficient um, evidence and credible analysis that, you know, should have uh, led the FDA to begin its formal rulemaking process at that time. So let me follow up and ask mm -hmm. Andrea you, what, what did this July 23rd report say, or what did it conclude? Sure. So there were actually uh, two reports issued on mm -hmm. July 23rd. The first was the initial report that tips that sorry FDA had submitted for peer review in August of 2011, and then because of the time lapse between uh, 2011 and 2013, they also pro provided an addendum to that report, which reviewed the studies that had come out between July 2011 and March 2013. So, and just an aside, mm -hmm. the addendum showed that the additional studies that had come out in the interim period didn't change the findings of their initial August 2011 report. So both reports echo TIPSAC's findings about mm -hmm. the impact of menthol on increased initiation and progression to regular smoking, increased nicotine dependence, reduced cessation success, particularly among African-American menthol smokers. And they the FDA concluded in its report that it is likely that menthol cigarettes pose a public health risk above that seen in with non-menthol cigarettes. Okay, so if we know for a fact, or scientists' evidence shows that menthol uh, makes it easier to adopt, and cigarettes per se are, are a public health mm -hmm. problem, um, that is negative evidence. Okay, but industry will say. And Lorillard has said menthol cigarettes have the same health effects as non-menthol cigarettes, and therefore should be not should not be treated differently. How do you respond to that? So I think the issue here is that there's a difference between what what uh, FDA is mandated to act under, which is the public health standard. So this, the Tobacco Control Act, brought forth this novel standard where FDA acts for the protection of public health in this tobacco realm. Um, when you think about individual disease risks, those happen at the individual level. And so we, the studies that, that, um, that TIPSAC reviewed and that FDA reviewed found no difference in the individual level. Cigarettes are very dangerous, whether they have menthol or not, uh, in causing health-related health outcomes. Um, but there is this added issue of looking specifically at impacts on initiation cessation and overall population health, which could reflect population prevalence of smoking. So when we're thinking about these issues, we can't, the industry would like us to come back and look only at this individual level effect and say, there's no difference between menthol and non-menthol cigarettes. But if you step back and you adopt this population view, thinking about the public health standard, the ways that menthol influence behavior contributes to uh, tremendous disease burden in the U.S. 
Okay, that's helpful. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Let me ask, you did mention the Center for Tobacco Products lead, Mitch Zeller, and his mm -hmm. statement relative to the July 23rd reports was that the FDA needs to have solid scientific basis uh, before they can make a decision, and they can only go as, he also said, they can only go as far as regulatory science will take us. That's to suggest that the FDA is being painfully careful uh, because they have already mm -hmm. been sued mm -hmm. under the first 2011 report. They were sued on, on the label provision in the 2009 law. So is that an explanation for the FDA delaying? I think, as, as, as you have mentioned, I think it's, it's certainly something to consider. I mean, throughout the history of cigarette smoking, uh, legacy included, there have been a number of lawsuits, and at every turn, whether it's criticism of the regulatory process, the marketing, um, you know, the availability of cigarettes, uh, you know, the tobacco industry has shown itself to be uh, no stranger to the court system. Um, so from, you know, our view, that shouldn't um, be a deterrent to moving forward to what is best for protecting the public's health. And, and so again, if you look at other products within FDA's jurisdiction and the amount of science that is relied upon to make those decisions, I think you'll find that um, the tobacco product science is being held to a higher standard. Okay. Let me throw in some other factors. Mm -hmm. There are uh, uh, arguments made that, well, if you do ban it, mm -hmm. you'll just create a black market and this the unintended negative consequence will be worse. The other uh, argument made is that this is substantial tax revenue mm -hmm. to the federal government, north of $40 billion every year. Um, how, do you, how do you respond to that? I would say public health is our primary priority mm -hmm. here. We need to think about health as the goal of, of our work mm -hmm. here. Um, so whether there's black market that needs to be addressed through additional enforcement mm -hmm. or um, you know tax issues that need to come up that states mm -hmm. are relying on this revenue, there are other ways, you know, in addition to a menthol ban, there's always an opportunity to increase taxes mm -hmm. to make up for that difference. Um, but really we need to be focused on public health here and this is for the protection of public health, why we're arguing a menthol ban. Well, let me just go back once again to the politics issue here, and this is my third sort of counter uh, issue or question, and that is, so African Americans, again, disproportionately smoke, uh, adopt, or use uh, menthol cigarettes, smoke menthol cigarettes. Some people argued, and this is a strange argument, I'll admit, but some people argue in some way, if you banned it, this in some way be, would be prejudicial because, again, they disproportionately consume this product. What's your response to that argument? And there has been, there was speculation, I might add, during the debate of the passage of 2009, mm -hmm. uh, that the Congressional Black Caucus may have actually, in some way, shape, or form, actually had made this argument. That's unclear. Yeah. I mean, yeah, to, to your last point, it, it is... Um, you know, unclear and unproven, but we do know over the, the course of congressional history that, you know, the tobacco industry has had a, a very welcome and, and favorable uh, involvement in, in a number of legislative actions. But, um, but I think one of the concerns from the, the beginning of, of your remarks, and it was something that Legacy recognized and, and um, 
you know, came out in support of the fact that if there is a menthol ban, we recognize this had to be a phased-in approach that would allow those smokers who needed additional assistance quitting could get those resources and would have the time, you know, to um, tr transition away from a, from the product, their product of choice, and and. Uh, one to, to which they've become addicted. So I think we were realistic to expect that you couldn't expect favor, a lot of favorable outcomes and, and impact on individual smokers if you just banned it outright within a short period of time. But yet, as um, Andrea mentioned, all tobacco products are, are dangerous to, to people's health individually as well as to the public. And we you know, promote access to cessation resources and to all the medically uh, available approaches to, to assist people. So that's helpful in that there's been discussion that we may not just proceed with a ban, but there be some restriction over time to allow mm -hmm. for some accommodation on the public. Let me just throw in one other factor, and that is um, this issue concerning uh, an international trade dispute in this regard, and this involves the World Trade Organization. Certain countries have argued that the U.S. is not allowing uh, certain flavored cigarettes to be imported, while at the same time the U.S. is allowing for the sale of a flavored cigarette. Uh, and that, obviously, is... Um, not consistent policy, uh, and therefore these countries who are wanting to have their cigarettes imported by the U.S. is violating their trade rights. How is this factored into, say, the calculation by the administration, the FDA's timing, if at all? Well, I think you know it's an interesting question, but but I think given the fact that our federal government is monolithic and, and I think there's, there's conversations that occur on an informal basis between and among agencies, certainly I don't think there was any orchestrated a, a approach to this. You know, the, the in incident that you reference um, had to do with the country of Indonesia that felt, you, you know, it was uh, hampered in its trade uh, uh, sales of, of cloves to the U.S. and because we didn't ban menthol, with the, they were being treated unfavorably. Um, interesting outcome in that. I mean, obviously, one solution would have been for the U.S. to turn around and ban menthol. But again, the negotiators to this trade agreement are not health-focused people. They are, you know, trade uh, uh, experts. And and I think so. Rather than um, satisfying uh, the Indonesia's uh, grievance against the U.S., um, the U.S. Uh, is agreeing to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in fines um, to satisfy this, with, which, you know, from Legacy's perspective and health view, uh, there was a, a much wiser and, and healthier choice. Um, just wanted to raise one other um, related example because it's not limited to individual countries' claims against the U.S. on this. There are many trade negotiations that could have uh, negative consequences related to tobacco control policy, and one um, such trade agreement is being negotiated right now, and that's the Trans-Pacific Partnership that uh, involves 11 uh, countries that are, are currently working on a variety of, of uh, issues to uh, promote trade in, in each country, but it could have negative consequences on 
for example, Australia's warning labels, New, Zealand, New Zealand's, and, and others. Um, there are many uh, groups out there that are active in uh, encouraging the trade negotiators to exempt tobacco control, uh, tobacco products from consideration, and at this time, uh, it's unclear whether they will be successful in doing so. But I think one thing we in the United States don't recognize the advances in uh, tobacco control policy that have been made worldwide and that could be at risk uh, from uh, a variety of trade policies. Okay, thank you. Let's go to finally your organization's expectation, the payoff uh, question here, and that is uh, whether FDA will ultimately ban or regulate menthol-flavored cigarettes, and if they do so, for what reasons? So what, what can we expect? And also, too, might I push you to say, in, within what window? This is now <laughs> four years running. When might yeah. this uh, actually happen? Let's start with Andrea. Sure. Well, I'll leave, I'll leave the time <laughs> okay. question to Diane. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we are very optimistic mm -hmm. that FDA will ban menthol. Um, and for, for the reasons that we've discussed, there is an impact on youth experimentation, initiation. And just a note, FDA banned mm -hmm. other flavored cigarettes for that reason alone. So that's one reason. And then the impact on adult cessation, particularly African Americans, which were a focus of TIPSAC's initial report. And then third, thinking about the impact on overall population health and smoking prevalence. We conducted a study, a simulation modeling study, looking at what would happen if we banned menthol and using very conservative estimates of the effect of a menthol ban on smoking initiation and cessation, we showed that, that there would be, by 2050, uh, approximately um, 300,000 smoking attributable deaths would be averted by a menthol ban, with about a, a, about a third of those among African Americans. So this has a tremendous population impact. Um, we see this as a very important issue for, for FDA to consider and are optimistic that they'll move forward. At some point, and right? Let me, and let's have Diane. <laughs> I know. When that, when might that point be? Yeah, that my uh, crystal ball is a little fuzzy today, and I think, um, as you know, uh, FDA has started the ball rolling, but they've just put out an advance notice of rulemaking, which is like pre pre rule. Um, so uh, again, Legacy is disappointed that this you know uh, could delay a, a, a formal rulemaking to a, a, another. Uh, way you know down the road here um, I'm not sure um, I, one would hope it would be you know within the next year or so I, I think if you're putting on your political cap the closer we get to additional you know elections whether they're the midterm congressional elections or the lead up to the 2016 presidential elections then the more difficult it gets for any agency within the federal government to take on kind of a, a potentially controversial um, uh, action. Um, so our hope, and, and I think, you know, Mitch Zeller, the new head of the Center for Tobacco Products, is a very um, smart and educated and longtime uh, con tobacco control expert. Uh, he can read the tea leaves and he can, I think, appreciate the fact that he just has a short window to act very quickly and decisively. And so we're hoping that a menthol ban is, is on his you know, action list for the, the sooner rather than, than later time period. Well, to put a finer point on that, 
several people speculated that after the 2011 report, the effort stalled out because then we were immediately into the presidential campaign yeah. season mm-hmm. and that the FDA felt they had to sit on this. Mm-hmm. So per your point now, it sounds like if they're going to move, it would be either before we kick off mm-hmm. aggressively into the 14 midterm or certainly sometimes substantially prior to the presidential campaign in 2015-16. Yeah, I, and I think one point to add to that is the fact that while the Food and Drug Administration may wish to move with all due speed, um, they are not the sole decision makers here. That the decision goes to the White House and the Office of Management and Budget to assess from its perspective the economic impact of of any regulatory decision. So that is a factor and that is one which we think um, was uh, instrumental in delaying um, a decision on, on menthol as well as the exertion of FDA jurisdiction of other tobacco products like cigars and e-cigarettes and, and other emerging products. Well, good point that ultimately it's an OMB and it's mm-hmm. a very much entangled in, uh, in the political process. process. And with that, I'm sorry to say we're at our mm-hmm. time boundary, so thank you both for your time today. Thank Great. you. Thank you.